Cedric, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, Ramon. Thank you so much for having me on here, man. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, it's a pleasure to have you on because the Dream Plan Execute podcast, I invite persons who embody the motto, which is dream frictionless, plan thoroughly, execute relentlessly. And you're somebody who I know for a number of years in college. And from the first time I met you, uh, me being a senior, you being um, in, in your first year, freshman year, you've always shown that tenacity to always execute relentlessly. You know? <laughs> so I wanted to just have an opportunity to speak with you and let the audience get a chance to really know who Cedric Dawkins is. So Cedric, just carry us through your initial story before we met at Polytechnic. Appreciate it, Ramon. It's a pleasure to be on here, my brother. Thank you for having me. Thank you for setting this this podcast up. It's been amazing. Um, so originally from Jamaica, Mobe, Jamaica born. Um, I did uh, pre-K and a couple years of elementary school in Jamaica before my family and I we migrated to the US. Did elementary school and uh, middle school, high school. Right. And then I ended up at Poly. What made you want to study civil engineering? Like, what was your reason for wanting to study civil? So, in Jamaica, right, there's this bridge across this river. I think it's called the Rio Cobra River. Right. And the bridge is called Flat Bridge. Okay. Anytime rain falls, the news is relentless. Cars being washed away, people <laughs> dying. <laughs> I was always scared of that bridge. I'm so is there. Right. <laughs> So I always said, All right, I want to fix that bridge. Okay. And it, it never occurred to me at the time that this bridge is actually a historical landmark mm. because there are so many roads in Jamaica just that just aren't fixed and they're not historical landmarks or anything. They're just not fixed. Right. So I'm like, All right, I'm going to fix it. Don't worry, I'll do it. Right. <laughs> it's funny you say that because that yeah. was one of my reasons for studying civil because I'm also from Jamaica, right? And I had a friend, I used to play tennis a lot. I was a big tennis prof. I was, that's what I wanted to do before civil engineering. And I had a friend, dad, who would always show up to every tennis match, would buy us KFC, you know, just make sure the team is okay, right? And there was a flash flood um, in an area. And you know how Jamaica is set up. You have these um, open channel flows that you would have a bridge that would go over it. In this section, the bridge wasn't accessible by cars, only by pedestrian traffic. And when you have a lot of rain and there's a lot of traffic going home, people chant um, going through. There's actually an opening that goes into the open channel flow and allow you to cut across, right? In this specific moment, um, it wasn't a lot of rain. There wasn't any rain there, but it was a flash flood somewhere else. He was driving through and you washed him away. And all you needed, I know. All you needed was a bridge, you know, just a simple bridge built in that area. And that would just change the course of that person's life and, you know, the subsequent pain that ensued from there, right? And at that moment, I was like, I have to study civil, right? You know, you see how much things they complain about in Jamaica on the news is either someone getting killed or roads not being good, right? So one problem I wanted to solve was that. So I find... It curiously that a lot of Jamaican engineers end up doing civil because that's yeah. the problem you see, you know? It's a big problem. Just just yesterday, my auntie mm -hmm. in Trilani posted a video 
of um, a fire truck okay. on the road. And she's like, this is the emergency vehicle going. And he's just crawling on the road. Right. It's a whole bunch of potholes. The road is not really accessible for emergency vehicles for the everyday pedestrian. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things where if you grew up wanting to be a problem solver and you're anything, you figure the engineering likely from the Jamaica, you're going to end up doing civil. So now you're at Polytechnic. Um, the first time we met, like I said, you were in your freshman year. Um, your tenacity to stay around the senior guys while they were doing work. And I would see you and I'm like, oh, what are you doing here? You're a freshman. And you're like, listen, I want to see the problem before it becomes a problem. Um, and through that, we became close friends. Um, and we, you know, I started the student chapter AABE, American Association of Blacks in Energy. Started it, became the first president. And then, of course, the second president, the person who really carried the vision of the energy challenge to execution was you, Cedric. So how was your uh, time in poly as pertains to being AABE uh, president? Oh, man, that time was invigorating, <laughs> to say the least. Um, being at poly, being a part of A, being able to just join in on the vision, it's it just gave me the opportunity to really like excel in a sense or all right you know sometimes you have an idea or you said I, I want to do something i just want to be given the platform to be able to do it I was, just give me a chance and i'll prove it right it, you know i felt like all right at the time you're like all right here you go you have all this big talk now back it up <laughs> you know, what i liked about you was um a lot of persons they, they, they have an idea. Like, that's why I call it dream, plan, execute. You, your dream and your plan is to help you with the execution, right? Yes. Um, that's the purpose of it, right? That's why I say dream frictionless. Dream like when you were a kid, right? Where there wasn't any issues. You didn't know about any problems or friction in the future. And then your adult being is supposed to help you plan thoroughly, right? And then Absolutely. once you get those two, it's time to, you know, put heat to, heat on the fire and start cooking. You got to execute, right? And that's one thing that I believe is your strength, is your ability to just keep executing. You you don't stop. You know, you, you, know, you, once, you once you get an idea, we had the idea and we got the funding for it, but the execution of that was all the second president of Abe, right? I appreciate that. No, no, that's good, man. It was very good. So while you, you know, of course, you know, being the president of Abe, you had to deal with, you know, setting goals, scheduling, um, and things that you think were like hiccups. Like what, what did you do to like get the actual execution end done? No, we have the plan and the vision, but what was the next steps you did to like really execute it as a good leader? So a, a lot of times, um, we, we, the challenges that we come across trying to execute something yeah it's like internal or external gotcha. you know, so we have our internal like our fears or anxiety right. you know that little voice in your head telling you don't do it what are you doing right why come out of your comfort zone right. <laughs> you know and then uh, externally you you just have challenges there's politics there 
classes, their homeworks, their midterms, their finals. Right. You know, you have family obligations, friend obligations. You know, you may have a girlfriend, you may have a boyfriend, that you need to spend time with them. You know, so when it comes to the execution portion, it's the, the dreaming and the planning. You're like, all right, I have an hour. All right, five minutes to do this, two minutes to walk across there, 10 minutes to do this, so on and so forth. But once you develop that plan, you still have to overcome those internal challenges. You know, and for me, a, a lot of just me is church. Right? Right. A lot of youth in Jamaica, we grew up in church. <laughs> One way or the other, we're in church. Your grandmother's beating you to go to church, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so and, um, I, I spent a lot of time in church and children's choir and stuff like that. And the songs that we sing, the hymns, the choruses, they're just always in the back of my mind. Okay. And I think they sometimes help me to, as you call it, dream frictionless. You know, because I'm thinking, there's a song that says, God didn't bring me this far to just leave me. Mm -hmm. You know, so when it gets hard, I'm like, eh, don't worry about it. Something will happen. There's a plan in place. I just got to keep going. (laughs) Background is important because it it, it stops the anxiety from stopping you. Building up too much. Right? Yeah. You just know that some way, shape, or form, once you keep going, it's going to keep happening, right? And I, have, I have on my whiteboard at work and it's an equation. It's it's literally 1.01 raised to 365, right? So 1.01 means a 1% gain and raised it to 365 means 365 days, right? And that number turns into 37.17 or some change like that, which means you can have a 30x, 37x raise exponentially if you just grow 1% each day, right? Let's try 1% each day. So it's more about the consistency than the intensity. And that's one thing that I recognize with you is that, yeah, okay, we saw you in the civil department late one night. He's not coming back the second night. Oh, he's here the second night. Oh, wait, wait, uh, he's not coming back the third. Oh, he's here the third night. Okay, so once I saw that, I was like, all right, whatever this person decides to do, they're going to get it done because they have they've figured out what's necessary to get the job done, which is the consistency part, right? What were the challenges you faced as a leader? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's okay when you have that energy, but it's very difficult as a president of a company or a president of a student club to lead other people. Like, what were some of the things you had to overcome as a leader to get everyone behind the energy challenge? A lot of the challenges will, you'll see when you're working with people that they're also the same age as you. Yeah. Similar background. Uh, most times I'm around people who are much smarter than me. Right. <laughs> you know, the, the challenge is like, how do I um, work with them in a sense where you don't, you don't um, disrespect someone. Right. But you also get the job done and you get them to to sign on to the vision and to work with you in the vision, you know, but you have to get them to see it without them like not wanting to not do it. 
Right. You know? And then aside from just working with people your age, you're working with administrators and professors right. and other individuals who also have experience and the knowledge, you know? Yeah. It's like anybody could do this. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start doing it, then a lot of people realize that, yes, I can do this too. Right. Why do I need to follow you? I'll just do it on my own. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's really like really hard to keep keep everyone together on that train. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's 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 tough. It's like uh, it's it's not just motivating yourself. You know, it's now like galvanizing a culture in the in the in the in the department or the organization, and uh, you lead by by doing. You know, you start. You know, you be the first stepper, and then you get people to come behind you. And you know, it wasn't easy. I know, especially with the energy challenge, there was a lot of moving parts. Right? There was a lot of um, administrators in the mix from main NYU campus versus NYU Polytechnic campus, no time school engineer. And, yeah. Everyone um, has a different agenda. Everyone has a different agenda. agenda. You yeah. got, got more funding at the time than the actual uh, <laughs> in-school competition, right? Yeah, that was that was tough. There tough conversations around that. <laughs> right. So, you know... Didn't, didn't rub everyone the right way. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you stuck to the guns yeah. up. You came out beautifully. Um, yeah, it was great. We had we had given out what thirty thousand dollars in funding to ideas that could really change the world. So that was that was one of the hallmarks of being a poly with you. Now let's fast forward a little bit. Now you're out of poly, right? You you know you're in your industry now. How is it working in? as a, a project engineer, project manager slash engineer? Um, that's fun. Yeah. I, I enjoy going to work every day. Oh, that's good. Uh, you know, it's um, it's a different challenge every day. Gotcha. I need, I need to have a plan every day. <laughs> right. What project are you working on right now? What do you guys, what, what, what project do they have you working on right now? So right now I'm doing a seven mile million paid job in Westchester County. Oh nice. From uh, Hastings and Hudson up to Tarrytown. Wow. Uh scope of work, drainage, some concrete work. We will have some electrical with um new um cameras and working with the stoplight systems. Gotcha. A new signage of course, new striping, and finally at the annual million paid. Wow. Uh, how long is it expected to go on for? Like, what's the initial um, schedule? We're looking to complete by early spring next year. Early spring. Nice. Yeah. Nice, and, nice, um, nice. We, we started doing the drainage structures and the scope of work was much, much different than what the plans showed. So a bunch of change orders. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> so, but this is my first time doing a mill and pave. Okay. You know, so I've I've worked with Haven briefly. I did a bridge. Okay, you did a bridge. I did a bridge. I did a bridge. That was a few years back. You know, we paved, and right before this project, I was out at JFK on the T four project. Oh, you run Terminal T4. four. Yes, nice. Terminal four for Delta. I was the um the PM for the civil portion. Okay, nice. Uh, where we did everything outside of the building footprint. Okay. So drainage, water, hydrant, fuel all the paving, both asphalt and concrete. 
Oh, you poured concrete for an airport? That's a lot of concrete. That's oh, that was a lot of concrete. <laughs> yeah, so we, we were airside, you know. Before that, I was working with, well, the bridge and infrastructure projects. Mm -hmm. Some concrete work in Westchester, Dutchess County. Mm -hmm. Also, the natural gas. Natural um, gas. Yeah. I was a contractor for Con Ed, National Grid, Orange and Rockland. Um, and um, Central Hudson Gas and Electric, uh, NYSEG, which is New York State Electric and Gas. Right. Out there, so. Um, listen, it sounds like you, you live in the dream you had as a kid. I mean, uh, I saw, uh, we were speaking earlier, you sent me a, a, a video, a picture of like an email you sent out and you're like, you know, this is what I want to do. This is before you even got to poly, right? Um, just knowing, I, th I think it's very important for you to have an idea of your trajectory early because it, it, it takes time to develop the skill to become as good as you want in a, in an industry, right? Um, he didn't figure out he wanted to be a footballer at 20. He figured that out when he was six and he moved towards that goal. Same thing with LeBron James. The earlier you can figure out what you want to do and you can make a, you know, a path forward in that from an early age is the more time and the more reps you get in to become, Absolutely. become good at it. Right. So it's no, like it's going to the gym. <laughs> it's exactly like going to the gym. It's exactly, there's so much things that um, interplay that people don't pay attention to. So for instance, myself and you, I always think of myself like an intellectual athlete, right? Versus just a physical athlete, right? And everything that we come across is skill development, right? An athlete goes into the gym and he must overcome or she must overcome a load. And by overcoming that load, they become stronger and more powerful for it. The stresses in life, the stresses at work with scheduling, organizing, delineating, all of those are intellectual loads that you must overcome to become the best version of yourself as a project manager or an engineer. So when those stressors come, I see completely different than just stresses at work. And, you know, I don't want to deal with this. This is like opportunity to overcome this load and become a better version, right, of myself. And in doing so, any athlete who trains well, executes well, you get paid well, right? So put points on the board. The more you win, the more people are going to see you winning, is the more the person who is the organization for the athletes, like a basketball, is the NBA. For you, it's the new company you're working at, Grace, Grace Industries, right? Yes, Grace, yeah. For me, it's the organization I work for. And if you put points on the board, people are going to recognize and people are going to want you to continue winning, right? And they're going to open doors for you to keep winning, right? So, no, that's what you did. And that's what I saw in you. That's why when I had to transition uh, Abe over to somebody, I was like, who on this plane has shown a consistent effort to just get the thing done, regardless of what? And I genuinely was, com I slept easy at night knowing that you were at the <laughs> ship. No, it was good. It was a good time, man. So how do you deal with failures and like execution failures? Because I'm sure, you know, we, we try to be as good as we can, but there are moments where things just fall through. Like, how did you, you know, recover from like a past failure and how do you deal with that situation? 
definitely. Failure is inherent to everything. Always say, if I win one time, that means I failed maybe 20 times before. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I see failure. I try to see failure all the time mm-hmm. as, a, as a learning opportunity, as a lessons learned kind of thing. Gotcha. It's not always that. It doesn't always turn out that way. Sometimes some failures really hit you hard. Yeah. Really. yeah you feel it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's when I need to stop watching church online and just go in person. <laughs> you know? But when, when it doesn't hit me that hard, when it's not that low, um, oftentimes I'm like, all right, this is what I did. These were the results. What mm-hmm. happened? It's kind of like a, a forensic analysis of some you know when you know forensic uh structural forensic engineering when yeah. the structure fails and the structural engineer goes in to take a look and see what actually happened right you know so stuff happened i'm like all right this is what i did what did i do wrong now when mm-hmm. i say i'm like come on cedric you know better than that right. <laughs> i don't make that mistake the next time so you fix that and it's like iteration you mm. just keep trying and keep going. It just don't stop. Mm. My mom always told me that I'm not very smart, but I'm kind of stubborn. Okay. So, so. <laughs> yeah, the is a, it, it, it's a dual sword, mm. but yeah, being stubborn, I think, is um, important, right? Like, you just yeah. keep going. Um, the Japanese, and I bring this up periodically on the, the podcast, there's two things I always talk about. Kaizen and ikigai so kaizen is what title to use to become one of the biggest forces in the car manufacturing industry which is literally continuous improvement right like continuous incremental improvement even if it's just going to be a one percent gain it's worth the time and effort to do it um i always think of like a formula one team right they don't get they don't have the guy coming who's driving the car to take the tires off to put his own tires on they break down the steps into incremental steps. And this person has, your job is to put the tire on, bolt it on, right? And do, those, the best. And, do your best at it. And you, you see the difference between the early 90s and now? A pit stop used to be 10 seconds. Now it's like two and a half, right? And that cuts off a lot of time by the end results. If you look at the time they're tracking on the, the Formula One tracks, everything is all about iterating to more effective and efficient means of moving, right? Every one less step they take is that 10 seconds at the back end of the race, right? That they've won. So I always think of that, that's Kaizen. Next one is Ikigai, right? No, Ikigai is um, how you find your life's purpose, right? How you find out that thing that will allow you to get into flow, right? It's a it's a diagram of four intersecting circles, and in the middle of it is Ikigai, right? The four intersecting circles is what you're good at, what you love doing, what people will pay you for, and what the world needs, right? And that's what you found in civil engineering. You found your Ikigai. That's why it's not stressful, even though there's stressors at work, because yeah. you genuinely enjoy what you're doing and you're building a product that you like, right? So, you know, between those two things, I think some people find it without having the words to describe it. Um, and then I think that that could come from um, nature versus nurture. And sometimes people just 
don't get the opportunity to learn it because they never met someone who was embodying it in their family or their life. And I believe that's that's what they, you know, in Jamaica, they say you come off a good table, you know? true, <laughs> <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> how was it like, who do you think uh, gave you that tenacity to be consistent and reliable? Was it uh, something you got from your mom, your dad, your upbringing? Like, where do you think you, you gather that strength from? Definitely say my family, my mom, my dad, my grandma. Right. I, from when I was younger, my parents were always working. Okay. They're still working. You know? yeah. Always say, all right, by this age, I'm going to be able to work so that they can like be my kids in a sense. Okay, I hear that. <laughs> no. You know, but but they're still working. And I'm like, how, how are you still going? It's been so long. Right. <laughs> yeah. Know, even take it back to my grandma. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my grandma used to sell like akiam pimento and stuff like that market right and she would walk with a big basket on her head go take a taxi or take a bus to go to montego bay and sell and come back and she always have stuff for us and she's us me and me and my cousins she's taking care of us but she also has her kids that have us that she's taking care of you know and she's just always going and Right. Like, if I stop now, what does that mean for all the going and all the sacrifices and everything that they did? Right. You know? Yeah, and I always so. think about you do it for your last name, you know? Like, you know, you want your last name to ring out, like, past your generation, right? Because there's sacrifices that the previous generations made to afford us this opportunity, right? And so why... Why go half cocked? Why not just go a hundred percent? When the die eventually, anyway, so might as well just fall out. <laughs> and as you said, the last name. Mm-hmm. A lot of us from Caribbean, Caribbean islands, our last names are from our slave masters or the plantation or, you know, who, whomever owned us. Right. And so as true. we're coming into ourselves we're taking those names and we're changing the meanings behind the name you know, behind the name what does that name mean to me now what you know that's that's all i know now right i have to do best by it right <laughs> yeah yeah no mm-hmm. listen that's like that's a pivotal point right there like we're changing you're changing culture and the way people perceive the way things are done you know what i mean like i'm sure you're going to the rooms you're the only person who is black in the room right when you construction and you know you carry you know people might have their second doubts about you initially but just by the character of your being and how you execute like i say you put points on the board no one no no one's gonna be able to <laughs> say the points aren't valid because like, you know I mean? <laughs> the points are valid regardless you know it's points on the board so it's points on the board so when I go into boardrooms, I don't, I don't shy my way in or be. And I'm not saying I'm not humble, but I'm not uh, insecure of my position there because I know I did the work to get there. It wasn't an accident. Absolutely. You no, know? it was not. This was not a mistake. <laughs> it was not, it was not an accident. It was not a mistake. You're there for a reason. You're there for a purpose. And yeah, you know, you bring your style of leadership, your style of seeing things. You know, there are ways I approach a construction that might be unorthodox to most people in construction. 
I don't feel like I need to shout and bark at people to get them to, to do things, right? Okay. Unless it's necessary. Unless it's absolutely necessary. But for right. the most part, when I talk to guys in the field, especially when I'm doing my safety training, I literally just let them understand the big picture, right? I said, listen, we're doing this safety training right now, not for you to sign the paperwork, but for you to understand that your work is tied to you being able to physically work, right? You don't work like someone else who's able to work from home and make money. You get injured. This is my 250th safety training with somebody. They will find someone to replace you. They can't replace you in your family. And the moment I said that and they recognize, oh, yeah, the bigger picture, right? Like it's not just getting the job done. Get the job done safely because this if I get injured or he gets injured or she gets injured, they will find somebody. Did yeah. someone will come and replace? Someone else will come back. And the, the, the project will move on, right? And you are not making money and you need to be able to make money to survive and take care of your family and the dreams your family have, right? And so far I've had zero safety incidences, right? Maybe a laceration, but nothing that's crazy that's life-threatening. Just because I want them to recognize like you're doing this not just for you. everyone else here on this team, is doing it for their family too. So even if you're not going to cause the injury and it's not your, you know, proactively go to the person and tell them, hey, you know, this guy might get injured, what you're doing, you know? See something, say something. Wear your PPE. Exactly. You know, Legal, I, yeah. Yeah, it's just letting them know what, like, why we do what we do, you know? Why do we you always do say the goal is we all want to go back home. <laughs> Go back home. Came in, right? yeah. Go back home to where you came in. You know? came in. Any books that you read for uh, motivation or general speakers that you listen to that you know really resonate with you? Books. I'm sad to say I haven't read a book for fun in a while. Mm -hmm. um, ever since I started reading um, all my college textbooks and right. my contracts and <laughs> my specifications. <laughs> I I actually read those and smile and laugh and I look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, is this really this fun right now? I'm like, hey, it is. Uh, that's rough. <laughs> uh, that's but before then, I used to read a lot of westerns. Okay, gotcha. A lot of westerns. I mean, um, yeah, eclectic yeah. guy, Cedric, because, <laughs> I mean, westerns is not the general mode of people's um, reading patterns. You in band, you were in band at NYU, you know. Yeah, gospel choir. Gospel <laughs> choir. <laughs> oh, How do you feel about AI in construction? Like, no, AI is really no, you know, at the forefront or about to launch itself into all these industries. I find that. I ask every guest that come on how they feel about AI and the future of AI. So for you, what do you think about the future of AI in construction? I think the future of AI is bright. Okay. You know, I see AI, eh, two letters, right. has a lot of meaning behind it, a lot of different connotations, but mm -hmm. AI is like a hammer or a screwdriver. It's a tool. Right. You, know, you get out of it what you put into it. Mm. You know, so if we decide to use it in a way that would be beneficial to our like 
operations or means and our methods and right. then we'll we'll get significant benefits out of it. Right now I'm in um grad school. Okay. And in my legal class, uh professor <laughs> brought up a case where there are these lawyers that use chat GPT to build their case. Mm-hmm. And chat GPT apparently made up all the reference cases and the arguments and it was all just false. Right. Judges that don't exist, lawyers that don't exist, you know, opinions that were never there, citing stuff that's just nowhere. And it's all about how you use the tool. Mm-hmm. And it's not that the tool is good or bad. You could use the tool to do bad stuff, you t- use the tool to do good stuff. It's how you decide to use the tool, how you implement it. Right. What are you studying in grad school? What's the degree program you're in? Uh, it's uh, construction management. Okay. And <laughs> where are you studying in that? Uh, over at uh, Columbia SPS. Okay, nice, nice, nice. When did you start? I started well, maybe a couple of years back. So when I started, I was also on the Delta Terminal 4 project. Okay. And funny enough, uh, signed up for classes. I'm like, wait, I know that. So one of my professors is actually um, one of the directors for construction at Delta nice. on the Terminal 4 project. So it worked together all day and then at night he will transition to be my professor oh that's hilarious that's hilarious that happened almost with me at um i was going to do construction management at poly and my estimating professor who would have been my estimating professor was the guy i worked with in estimating and i was like you know what maybe i'll just wait to see what i want to do generally because I could learn from this guy for free at work. work. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Let me just let me just hold off a bit. But yeah. that's good though. Like construction management on the master's level. What do you think you've learned differently in the master's classes versus when you did it in undergrad as a minor? Mm, that's significant. Um, law class right now it's enlightening. Okay, it's miraculous. Right, I was a part of all these big projects. Right. And now I'm starting to understand why the project executives did certain things or said certain things or they yes. operated in certain ways when there's a change order that was, I thought was not enforceable or something and yeah. they made a certain the decision. I'm looking back at the, the contracts and reading the language. Right. And I'm looking at the, the case histories, realizing that New York City construction is different from New York State construction, which is different from the rest of the construction, <laughs> the rest of the U.S. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, understanding why in, in my estimating class, we're going over forecasting and why I need to forecast, like how much money do I think is going to come in next month? How much work do you have left on my estimating professors talking about bank loans and interest rates and you need to have a proper forecast ensure that we have the cash flow to pay everybody and so on mm. like these are questions project execs would ask before yeah i'll give them an answer and they're like just be as accurate as possible and i'm in my younger years i'm like listen things change every day on the construction side what do you want from me like <laughs> learning is there's two sides to construction there's absolutely the, there's the execution in the field and then there's the business side of construction right yes 
So yes. spend forecast is super important because so important. make sure that the money is there for your allocation next month, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention if depending on how you procure your contract, right? Um, no, none of your subcontractors want to be your bank, right? No, but so, oftentimes in big projects, they are the bank of the project. Right. Fortunately. Right. And so that's yeah. why, you know, the projections are important, but it's also paying your subs um, quickly as you can for the work that they've done in the field so that that friction isn't there. Because if they, if they procure the material early and have it in storage, they're paying for that, right? They're paying for that storage. And they want to be able to get paid for buying the material and you're, you're holding them hostage if the schedule doesn't meet the time that you ask them to buy it. Exactly. So that's where that, that's where that, that's key. Cause I'm, I'm going through that right now being a project manager to being a senior project manager, right? Which means you're learning more of the business side of construction, the procurement, right? Legal, how does legal affect? There's a lot of jobs that, that we, um, passed on because legal thought it was just too much risk as a company to take that job, even though we had it in the bag, right? We won the job, but the, the terms and conditions of legal on my team versus the owner, they couldn't come to terms. You got to pass on it. No? Got to pass on it. Yeah. We're reading contracts in my legal class right now. And it's, it's incredible. My professor says, there's no such thing as a standard contract. Don't let anybody tell you that. No, don't. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the first thing of, uh, the first word in contract is contract. That's true. <laughs> we, just, we just add the OR onto it. Yeah. You don't have, I mean, project managers, their role on the job is to be the referee on a court, right? Is to make fair decisions based on the rules of the game. The rules of the game and the enclosure are, is the contract. That's where the rules were delineated, right? What? What you owe, what you don't owe, right? It goes back to the contract. Hey, if you if you read Tishman Tishman contract is five hundred pages. It it covers everything in that contract was a problem that was done or gonna figure out on a different job, and it finds its way into your contract and it, it gets written into the contract. Um, the lessons now, learned. All the lessons learned on a job comes down to that. We've had, uh, for instance, you have these clean agent tanks and they have this very expensive gas that they put in there called um, Novak, right? And we, you know, release the contractor to go purchase it immediately. Then two months later, person didn't purchase it and they wanted to hit us with a $200,000 change order. Mm -hmm. They wanted to purchase it at that time. No, that's not our fault that you didn't release it at the time because we gave you the release to go purchase it, right? No, you go back to your contract. In the contract, it excludes escalation after you on cost after you got released to go purchase it. So lessons learned. So that <laughs> you know that that's how your contract saves you know because now you'll be out two hundred thousand or you and that person back and forth fighting um, about. Who's gonna? You have to either split it fifty-fifty with them, or no, you own it because that's what you purchased, and let's keep the project going along. So, 
that's I'm happy you're taking your master's class because the, there's a different side of the business that most people don't pay attention to, and that's why the execs ask the questions they ask, right? Yes, and a lot of times they're asking the questions you already know the answer, have an idea of what the answer is going to be. Right. Yeah. No, that's important. Like, yeah, the business side of construction is what allows construction to be a business. You know. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's good, man. I'm happy for you. That's that's a that's a key lesson to learn early in your career too. You know? it's intriguing. Oh, that's good, man. So, how you deal with like low energy moments, times where you're like I'm not as motivated as I think I should be? Like, how do you get back up to speed to you know keep yourself motivated? Oh man, that's that's when I'm like, all right, I need to stop playing with God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I put on my suit and go to church. You know, I um call my mommy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mommy, no matter what age. Yeah. Call, call my mommy and she said, "Why?" <laughs> you know, and everything after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But oftentimes, I have to um just sit back and remember and try mm-hmm. to put myself in a space where I'm calm and I can also think about what the vision is, you know, just remember the vision. What's the goal here? Right. What am I trying to accomplish? Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's big. It's funny that, that even with these modern technologies, human problems are still human problems. Uh, If you read meditations or read about Marcus Aurelius or Epictetus, Marcus Aurelius was, you know, emperor of Rome at the time. And he's having the same problem that anyone has, which is like trying to think about, oh, I have to get out of bed right now. <laughs> bro, bro, you know, unlimited money, unlimited. He's like, oh, I have to get out of bed. And what he uses to remind himself is that everybody has a purpose in the world and a thing they need to accomplish, right? The bees get up untired to do what bees need to do. You know, the eagles get up and do what they need to do. So you have a contribution to this earth to provide. And so he's like, if they can do it, the bees and the birds and the ants do what they need to do to keep this society what it is. I have my purpose, so I need to get up and fulfill my purpose. Gotta do it. Gotta do it, right? And I find um, like it's important to have a, some sort of spiritual background, wherever you get it from, you know, for us, as Christians, that's where we get or from. But, you know, even if you're Jewish or even if you're Muslim, you you have a spiritual backing. And right. Elam Durkheim, which is the father of sociology, recognized the moment society moves from a spiritual-based society and, and went just straight on industrialism and, like, your life is your own. You got to figure it out on your own. Suicide rates went up, right? It went drastic, drastically up because there's no way to. And he also recognized that, say, even if you got rid of the institution of the church, right, you still need to fill that gap and that void with something, right? Because you just innately as a human being, you have difficulties getting over yourself. If you can figure out how to stop self-sabotaging, that's like 60, 60 Almost 60 to 80% of your problem is avoiding 
self-sabotaging yourself, you know? So, um, yeah, it's good that you have that spiritual backing for yourself. You know, you can, you know, you wrote back to the foundation, which is for you, you know, your religion, your Christ, you know, your, your salvation, and then you, you march forward. That's, that's very, very good, man. Cause (laughs) this world will um, rob you of it and it'll make you feel that it's not important, but having a spiritual backing is it it builds strength of character absolutely so what do you do for fun what's the what's Uh, what do you enjoy doing outside uh, of work outside of work i enjoy spending time with family friends you know just hang out jerk some chicken play some (laughs) domino play some loody you know listen to some music uh, like a party here and there these days like what's your like your go-to music preference um, in the mornings for motivation, sometimes some gospel, gospel, you know, to get going. Definitely some some dancehall and some reggae sometimes. Got you, got you. You know, I like to stay up to date with what's currently hot on in the music scene as gotcha. well. So all the latest albums come out, I'll listen to them if I like them. I'll keep listening to them. If not, I won't. <laughs> gotcha. You so, know. So if you had to go back and tell yourself something when you were younger, 23, 21, what would be that one thing you would want to tell yourself? <laughs> um, when I was on the Delta T4 project, yeah. um, another, another poly alum, Ahmed Mwala, who was also on the project. Right. He was speaking to us as a team, and he said, a lot of the things we're going to do is very difficult, but if we actually do what we say we're going to do, that will bring us really far. Mm. You know, so if you tell someone, all right, I'm going to send you an email in 10 minutes with this, this, and this. Actually send that email in 10 minutes with, <laughs> you know, if, if you said, all right, next week I'm going to, next week I'm going to do something, actually do it, right. you know? Gotcha. So follow through on your promises, follow through on doing what you're going to do. If you're not able to do it, let someone know, you, you know, just, uh, just speak up. Sometimes it can be for something minor, right? <laughs> no, but start small. You know, small things become big things. Like if you don't get a submittal out on time, right? The sub doesn't buy the material. And it, ju- it jumps you up at the end because the lead time changes or the cost changes. So I always think about those little things that could add up and turn into a, a mountain later. And if it means just taking that extra five minutes to get the email out so the person can just have it, you know. Get it out. Just get it out. Yeah. Well, and Sergio- then another thing, i sorry, one more before I go is definitely um, have a team. Have a team? You know? have a team teamwork there are always going to be individuals that you look up to you Mm -hmm. know for me going through college you are definitely one of those people and i still think back to different moments when we're working on a project or just trying to execute something for abe i'm like what would ramon do (laughs) i still have those moments you know what would ramon do what would aline do you know i still i still have those moments oh yeah you definitely have a team 
it it definitely have helps to have a mentor. You know what I mean? Like at that yes. time, Alim was my mentor, right? And then the same things I learned from Alim, I just transition it and you know give you the same feedback he would give me, right? Um, and ultimately, like greatness is done through mentorship, right? Like majority of the time, you think of Alexander the Great, right? Alexander the Great teacher was Aristotle. Like, imagine having Aristotle as a teacher. <laughs> I mean, Aristotle's teacher was um, um, Socrates and um, Plato, right? Like Plato, you know, those, you know, that legendary status can, can, you know, kind of propagates down to the next person and they just take it and can't run with it, you know? So you think of Steph Curry, Steph Curry dad was in the NBA and played as a shooter. Like at the time you had shooting specialists, that's what his dad was, right? So he just took it and ran with it and just made it his own and even made it even better, you know? So, uh, it was good, man. It's good having you on the podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to come on. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. You, you're a light. I always say, you know, if the universe is growing infinitely in every direction, where you stand or move is the center of the universe. And you have a choice. You can either be a black hole or a light at the center. You're you're the light at the center of your universe. I'm sure people um, get motivated by you. But I know I get motivated by you, seeing the way you work. So, you know, it's just iron sharpening iron. I appreciate you coming on. Keep doing your thing. I know there is greatness. You are great. And you win a run run the division sooner or later, you know. I appreciate that, my brother. Greatness is in you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And all the best with everything you're doing here. It's needed. All right. Thank you, sir. Keep safe, all right? You too, bro. You too.